Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We started a new series last week called Christ Like, and this series is born out of really a journey that I'm on uh, this year, just talking about who I'm becoming, uh, who I believe that God has asked me to become. And I shared a story about the Be Like Mike campaign of Gatorade in the early 90s. Does anyone remember me talking about that? Yeah. I was talking about this campaign, this, this campaign it was, and it was people dreaming about what life would be like if they were Michael Jordan, just in case you don't know who Be Like Mike is. Michael Jordan. You know, how, how would my life be? What would my life be if I was Michael Jordan? And many of us were like that. We might say to each ourselves, I wonder what my life would be if I was like the person sitting next to me. Say, I wonder what my life would be if I was you. Say that to the person next to you right now. Turn to the other person, I wonder what your life would be if your life was like mine. But we're like, you know, I wonder what our life would be like if I was this famous person, if I was this actor, if I was this pop star or this celebrity and we do all these things. Well, the interesting thing is this, is that, you know, we want to choose what we become like, but God has other plans and ideas for our life. See, we want to choose, but instead God says, hey, you know what? I want to choose rather for you what your plans are like. And we may want to be like Mike, but God wants us to be Christ-like. What is Christ-like? Simplified, it means this, be like Jesus. Someone say that with me today. Be like Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, be like Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he lays it out for us in the book of Philippians Philippians 2.5, and if you have your Bible, you can turn to these scripture verses today. All will be on the screen behind me. He says this, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. He doesn't say think and act like that person you see on TV. He doesn't say think and act like, you know, your parents or think and act like that successful person down the road. He says, think and act like Christ Jesus. In other words, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. My main thought from week one was this, being Christ-like begins by being with Jesus. Acts 4.13, when, uh, this is a story of Peter and John. They're brought before the religious leaders and it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There's a transformation that has happened in their lives that transforms them from unschooled, uneducated fishermen to these men who are proclaiming, speaking the word of God, quoting scripture from Old Testament, and who, are, who have been transformed by Jesus because they were with Jesus. And we might think today we've missed our opportunity. Jesus is no longer walking this earth. But can I encourage you, as I said last week, we can be with Jesus as we read the Bible. As we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, as we congregate together here on a Sunday and during the week with other believers doing that, we're being with Jesus and in our prayer and worship, thankfulness and forgiveness that we give to other people. And perhaps you're here today and you're in church and maybe it's your first time you've been to church and maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian or you don't even believe in God. And you know what I want to say? I'm really glad you're here. I'm so, so glad you're here. This is the best place for a person like you to be. You know why? Because you're searching. 
You're looking. There's a reason you're here today. You're looking for something. And I believe that you can find what you're looking for. You can find answers here today through God speaking to you and in the Bible that we're going to share soon. And I also believe that as, as I speak and share my message today, that I believe God will speak to you through the words that I say and that He's going to speak to you and something in that might speak to your life. And what I'm going to do is if He does speak to you, I want to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to respond to His speaking, to say to Him, hey, you spoke to me now, I want to speak to you. I want to uh, declare that you're Lord of my life. And so I'm going to give you a chance at the end of my message, you won't be able to miss it. I'll make it really, really obvious. If you missed week one, go to our website because there's heaps of other great things in there if I don't say so myself to listen to that message. And uh, that would be great on our podcast. Let's pray. God, thank you that uh, we've already encountered your Holy Spirit this morning. We've already spent time in worship of you today. I thank you that as we read your scriptures, uh, we encounter you again, Lord, that you would speak to us. I thank you that there are people here this morning, God, that you've brought them here for a reason. God, this word, this message will speak to their lives in Jesus' name. Everyone said, it's been a while since I've done any travel. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has traveled recently, but, uh, you know, COVID has come along. It's kind of like restricted all of our travel opportunities that we have. But pre-COVID, I would probably travel two or three times a year for church. And, and it might involve flying to the Gold Coast or to Sydney or to Cairns, uh, our various locations that we have around uh, uh, Australia. We've got 10 elevation locations. You might be wondering, what, what did you do there? Well, you know, we, we caught up with Pastor Ross, our lead pastor. If you don't know, he's our lead pastor over all of our locations. And uh, we'd seek God for our churches. We'd spend time in prayer together. Uh, we might go and do an activity together. And, you know, we just hang out, encourage each other. It's good to be around other people who can encourage and speak into your life. Has anyone found that? So we encourage each other. And then we'd eat and, you know, do things like that. And so some of the, some of the things we've done is we stayed in a mansion on the Gold Coast. And before anyone worries, oh, is that where our tithes go? No. Is someone's house in the Gold Coast who donated the house for those couple of days. We stayed on a mansion. Uh, we, uh, at that place, I almost died in the surf. But that's another story. Um, what other things have we done? We've done an overnight hike in Cairns, hiked the highest, uh, yeah, the highest mountain in Queensland. We did that, battled the leeches. We've been to a Red Frogs Gala in Sydney, stayed at our Basal Ranch in northern New South Wales. That's a ranch that, we've, um, that INC owns and has purchased for people to go there for mental health issues, for families to can go there as well, book out the chalets or the chateaus. Uh, they're just like little, anyway, they're, they're nice. <laughs> chateaus. Anyway, whenever I go away, there's a little bit of a routine that I go through with my family. The night before, uh, we usually sit down and have dinner together. And so I try not to uh, have any event or go see anyone or do anything outside of the family that night because I like to just spend the last night before I go away. I know it's only a couple of days, but just to say goodbye to my kids the night before because I usually leave early in the morning, really early flights because they're the cheapest flights, you know. And uh, so, you know, I try to do that routine before I go away. I don't know if anyone here can remember your own traveling. Has anyone can remember like like we haven't traveled in the last year but can you remember travels that you've done or you've gone away somewhere overseas or a holiday or a business trip uh, I know when my parents have gone on long trips overseas to Europe or my in-laws have taken a long cruise sometimes around Australia or, or into the southeast Pacific or even friends have gone away for an extended period of time you know we'd catch up we'd go see them we'd spend a meal together you know in in 
close proximity to the time that they're going to leave, just to catch up, see how they're going, just to wish them well and just to enjoy their company. Well, this practice or routine that maybe you have, that I have, it isn't something new. People have been doing it for centuries, uh, for a long, long time. And today we're going to see uh, in our Bible a scene played out like this today. Open your Bible to John 13 and we're going to get started at week two of our Christ-like series. John 13 verse 1 says this, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John 13 is the start of the end for Jesus. If you read John, you'll see that from this point onwards, it's all about going to the cross. It's all about these are the final moments of his life. And Jesus knows us. See, John says, Jesus knew his hour had come. There's other passages of Scripture earlier in John, John 7.30, John 8.20, where it talks about people trying to get Jesus, the religious leaders trying to trap him, trying to hurt him physically. But the Bible says they could not do it because Jesus' time had not come yet. But now in John 13, it says Jesus' time had come. The whole reason, the whole purpose for Jesus coming to earth is upon him, the cross. In 24 hours, we'll see that he'll be tried, he'll be convicted, and he'll be crucified. And in five weeks, as Zoe shared, in five weeks, we're going to, sal- we're going to remember, we're going to commemorate, we're going to celebrate Jesus' death, death, burial, and resurrection at Easter. And I want to encourage you to invite your friends and family to that. We're going to have a magnificent time, a great time. If there's, if there's two times a year you can invite people to church, it's Easter and Christmas. So I want to encourage you, please invite people along to that. It could change their lives. They could have an encounter with Jesus Christ and their eternity be changed forever. However, before this occurs, Jesus does what we often do before a trip. He spends time with his friends. He spends time with those who are closest to him, to his disciples, to his, to his friends. Morrison says this, he says, When one is leaving for a distant country and has transacted all necessary business with the outside world, he is likely to spend the few remaining hours in the sweet intimacy of the family circle. That's what Jesus does. You know, I love how John says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. These are his close friends. These are Jesus' best friends here on earth. You know, Jesus loved them. He, he chose them. He cared for them. He led them. He protected them. He loved his own to the end. And someone here today needs to hear this, this today. This, this word is coming 2,000 years later. Jesus loves you. Just like Jesus loved his own while he was on this, on this earth, he loves you today while he is in glory in heaven. He loves you as well. And and if anyone here today feels unloved, today can I say to you, there is one who loves you like no other. There is one who loves you till the end. There is one who loves you right now. There is one who loves you like his own. We see his love in this chapter, in chapter 13, and then 15, 16, and 17, as Jesus pours out his heart, shares from his his heart, and he teaches the disciples, and he gives them a, a private uh, a message, a private set of teachings. His public ministry is finished. There's no more teachings for the public. The general people just now is a special time for his disciples, his closest friends, his dearest 
companions. And in this time, he, he, he delivers a, a final message. And it's a real picture of this is my last time that I'm going to be with you, my, my best friends, my dearest companions. This is the last time. And so I want to share from my heart all that I have to share with you. I want to make the most of it. This week, our family was sitting around the dinner table and we were having a talk about what our family values are. And um, before you think, wow, what a, what a family. We don't do this very often, okay? So take the pressure off you. <laughs> These guys, wow. Now, we were talking about our family values. And what are family values? Well, it's values that we, it's values that shape the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we do life. That's family values. And our three kids were giving us suggestions. They were, they were all chipping in. And, and Roman was chipping in as well. And he was saying things like, oh, we're caring, uh, we share with each other, we love each other. And it was so cute. Like, I, I was blown away. He was just, like, giving all these examples of good family values for us to have. And it, it was so, so awesome to see that. And so we arrived at four things. Uh, we arrived at follow Jesus, family first, work hard, and be respectful. And so we, we said, hey, we believe there's a family if we live these values in our life, we believe that we can have a fulfilled, satisfied, successful life uh, in our lives. Here's the thing, though. Words are important, but so are actions. Like, I just don't want my kids to be able to recite the family values. I actually want them to live them and to do them, to act about in their lives. And so, you know, follow Jesus. Uh, family first, work hard, be, be respectful. Don't just talk it, actually do it in our lives. There's an old saying, actions speak louder than words. Have we heard that? Yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Well, this is where Jesus is so on point. He, he not only speaks words that encourage, inspire, convict, challenge his disciples, but he also lived his life in a way that his actions spoke loudly too. I mean, Jesus spoke loud. The words he's, he spoke, they, they're still here today, but his actions spoke loud as well. And this is what he does in the rest of our passage today as we go down to verse 4 of John 13. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. What's going on here? Why is Jesus washing these guys' feet? Can you imagine, just, just picture yourself, imagine for for a moment that you've been invited to my house for dinner, you come to my house for dinner, and it's a house where you take off shoes, okay, some people have that custom, so you've taken off your shoes, and you're sitting around dinner, then halfway through dinner, I duck out, I come out of a basin of water, I get down, and then I start washing your feet, and then I start washing your wife's feet, and then your kids' feet, you're like, man, this is weird. Like, really, if I went to your house and you started doing that to me, I'd be like, this is too weird for me, like, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, this is so strange. But what we've got to realize is there's a few practical reasons for this, that Jesus did this, and then another reason. The practical reasons are this, one, you know, look at your shoes today, uh, not everyone, but most people. If you're running sneakers, let's just say you've got sneakers on, your shoes are closed shoes, yeah? They didn't have closed shoes back then, they wore, they wore sandals, okay? And that brings us to the next step, the next um, practical reason. Back in those days, they didn't have concreted, or tiled, or bitumen roads, or anything like that. Instead, their roads were sand, or dirt, or something along those lines, they were, or gravel. And so, just think about it. You've got sand and dirt, 
dust, you've got open shoes, you've got sweat, you've got rain. And, and just think about it, you know, think about when you go to the beach and you're wearing thongs. At the end of the day, what do your feet look like? Pretty dirty, yeah, pretty yucky. Well, time's up by 10 and you've got these yucky, dirty feet. So there was a cultural practice that when you entered someone's house, a servant or a slave would wash your feet. They didn't want that stinky, smelly feet in the house where they were living. And, and the tables those days when they used to eat were lower tables. And so you, were, you would be like, not have your feet hidden underneath the table, you know. Your feet would be on display. And so this cultural practice was that someone would wash your feet and it would be a servant or a slave. No one, you know, no one sought to do this role, but a servant or a slave had to do it. For some reason, though, this hasn't occurred. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. But for some reason, it hasn't occurred. And you'd think to yourself that maybe one of the disciples, come on, I mean, come on. These guys have been with Jesus for three years. Haven't they been learning about being servants and, and doing good deeds for other people? You'd think one of the, the disciples would, would go out of their way and do it. But what we find is, is if you look at one of the other Gospels, I think it's the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that they were having a discussion right before this supper. In fact, it wasn't a discussion. It was an argument. You know what they were arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So, you know, they're not going to go from arguing about who's going to be the greatest to then abasing themselves and washing each other's feet, you know? So the disciples are not interested in that. John 13, 6. Uh, Jesus continues, He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you, will ha you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. This guy Peter, he's just a guy of extremes. You know, this is Peter though, who, who in, in Acts 4, it says he was with Jesus. But he's a guy of extremes. He starts with false humility. Jesus, no, don't, no Jesus, don't wash my feet. I look, I know these other disciples, they've let you wash their feet, but I'm not like that. This is a test, isn't it, Jesus? This is a test. No, Jesus, don't wash my feet. You're the teacher. You shouldn't have to wash my feet. Nice try. You're trying to catch me out, but you're not going to get me, Jesus. Then Jesus says, no, unless you let me wash your feet, you can't be part of me. Then Peter, he just flips it all the way around the other way. He says, no, Lord, not just my feet. But my hands, my head, my shoulders, you know, wash all of me, Jesus. Look at these other disciples. They just let you wash their feet. These guys are idiots. Wash all of me, Jesus. Give me, give me, give me. I want all the water. Jesus, I want more of you. What's Peter doing here? He's being classic Peter. He's trying to control the situation. He's trying to tell Jesus what to do. No, Jesus, don't wash my feet. Oh, Jesus, wash my heads and my hands as well. And you know what? We're exactly the same. God's trying to do something in our lives. He's trying to lead us somewhere. He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to do something. We say, no, God, I don't want that. I don't want to be part of that. Or we take it the other way. God is trying to do this specific work in our lives or we're, we're trying to get God to do something else in our lives that God is not wanting to do at this moment. Why do we do this? Because we want control. We don't trust God. Peter didn't trust Jesus in the moment that he was washing his feet. We want to shape our future. We want to be the God of our lives instead of surrendering to the God. Capital G, we want to be the God, lowercase g, of our lives just like Peter.
Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, that's Jesus, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. After the service, we're going to bring a basin of water here, and every one of you is going to wash my feet. And uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Jesus says to his disciples, did you see what I just did? Did you see my example? I've set an example for you. You should do as I do. Last week, we shared a passage of Scripture from uh, the Apostle Paul. And this example that the, was just given for the disciples, it's also an example for us. Do you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11? 1, 1, he says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow the example. Jesus just gave an example to the disciples to follow him in that act that he did that. How are we like Christ? How are we Christ-like? By looking to Jesus and by following the example of Jesus. Be like Jesus. So how again are we like Jesus? Write this down today. We are like Jesus when we serve others like Jesus served others. We are like Jesus when we serve others like Jesus served others. It's, it's very important we put that last part on the end of that sentence. Like Jesus served others. See, I can serve someone, but it doesn't mean I'm serving them like Jesus. In our remaining time, some quick thoughts that I have from this passage of Scripture that we've just read. Number one, Jesus served with no ulterior motive. If the kids could come today. He served with no ulterior motive. Can I, can I be honest today? Sometimes when I serve someone, I do it because I've got ulterior motives. Like, like, is no one else like that? Am I the only person like that here today? Like, I do something for someone else because I know if I do this for that person, then that means in the future when I ask them to do something for me, well, they kind of owe me, you know? It's like the... The, um, you know, the Godfather, the Vito Colleone is like, one day, and that day may never come, you're going to have to do a service for me. And in that day, you'll repay your debt to me. Now, I don't go ahead and say that to people, but, you know, it's like there's this mentality we have that people will owe us something. There's an ulterior motive, but Jesus is not like that. He's not like that. Jesus he had no ulterior motive. No, no reason like that. And, and, and here's the thing. In Jesus doing that example, you know, honestly, how could we ever pay Jesus back? What he did on the cross, how could we ever pay Jesus back for that? Like, for Jesus to have an ulterior motive, I'm going to go to the cross, and then humanity is going to owe me, they're going to have to pay me back. We can't pay back Jesus for that. Sending his Holy Spirit to us, we need to part it to impart us, to live inside us, to empower us to live the Christian life. How could we ever pay God back for that? But coming to earth and living an example to follow in teaching and give us instruction to live godly ways. Jesus had no ulterior motive in any of these actions. See, we, He can't have an ulterior motive because we can't pay Him back. There's no way we can pay Him back. Today, husbands, wives, partners, don't do something for your spouse because you expect something in return. I find that, I find that wives are less like that and men are more like that in the men that I've spoken to, not me. 
Children, don't do something for your parents because you expect something in return. Well, I'm going to make my bed because then when I go and ask dad for $20, well, more like $50, even maybe $100 to go to the movies, he's going to be more likely because I've been good, you know. Serve others because you're becoming like Jesus. No ulterior motives. Jesus didn't expect his disciples to wash his feet next time. He's like, ha ha, you guys. You think this is a free lunch? No, next time you're going to have to wash my feet. No, Jesus is not thinking like that. Nothing like that. Jesus served with no ulterior motive. Number two, Jesus served those who didn't deserve it. Not sure if you know this or not, but the disciples, Jesus' best friends, his companions, they didn't deserve Jesus washing their feet. Have a listen to what they're going to do in the next 24 hours. One of them, Judas, he's going to betray and sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. I was doing some research yesterday. They estimate that is between $100 to $3,000. Sold out Jesus. Today's money. Today's money. For $100, $3,000. Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. Within, within hours of this event, he's going to deny Jesus. One time the Bible says he does it within eyesight of Jesus. Man, Jesus washes these guys' feet. The other disciples, they're going to scatter. They're going to run. They're going to hide. They're going to return to their old life. They're going to go back to being fishermen. They're going to go back to doing what they knew before they knew Jesus. They're going to do these things and Jesus knew they would do these things, and yet He still washed their feet. He still poured out His heart to them. He still loved them, loved them to the end as they were His own. And you know, there's going to be people in your life that God has called you to serve that maybe don't deserve it. Look, that's just the reality. That's just life. God is going to call you to serve people, and maybe they don't deserve it. They hurt you. They let you down. They slandered your name. They broke your heart. And you know that if you serve them, they're going to do those things again. They're not going to change. They're going to do those things again that hurt you, that let you down, that broke your heart. But maybe, just maybe, in serving them, maybe you're being like Jesus. Maybe you're being like Jesus. And they're going to see Jesus in your actions. And they may think you're doing it because you're a good person or you're doing it because you like them. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the real reason you're doing it is because you've seen an example in the Bible of a man called Jesus and you're wanting to become more Christ-like. You want to be like Jesus and so you're going to serve them because that's what you're becoming. You're following Jesus' example. Jesus served those who didn't deserve it. And then three and finally, Jesus served where needed. Just pause for a moment. Jesus, God the Son, the Bible says that all things were created through Jesus. The Bible says that God the Father spoke and through Jesus all things came into being. Jesus, God of creation, comes down to earth washing the feet of mortal men. Just think about it. That's outrageous. The thought of doing that, Jesus sees a need, He meets the need. Anyone could have washed the feet, but no one did for pride, for whatever reason it might have been. And sometimes serving requires us to swallow our pride. Sometimes serving means we do something that doesn't, maybe, maybe is maybe not our call. Sometimes serving means helping where no one else will help. Sometimes serving means doing 
all those, those things. And today you might be thinking to yourself, well, what area are you talking about serving, Bronson? Are you talking about serving in the church? Are you talking about serving the family, the, my local school? Are you talking about serving in the workplace, serving my friends? Hey, any of those things. Hey, any of those things. Can I, can I let you in a secret? You don't need a pastor to tell you where to serve. Come on, the Holy Spirit in your life, as He speaks to you, as He ministers to you, as He challenges you, He's going to teach you, He's going to direct you. Here's a radical idea. Is it possible that maybe God could tell you where to serve? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit could direct you to serve others? If you see a need, ask the Holy Spirit, God, is this an area where I can meet the need? Is this an area where you're calling me to serve others? Jesus served where needed. Here's, here's kind of like my clincher statement for the day. We are like Jesus when we serve others. Like Jesus served others. I already shared that. We are like Jesus when we serve others. Like Jesus served others. And there's a prophecy that Jesus gives uh, in Matthew. There's a prophecy he gives. And, and, and the scene set up is that it's, 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 it's a parable. It's a parable. It's a picture. And there's a king and he, he gives out a feast. He invites people to this feast and some people come and some people don't and and then he's he gathers the uh the lambs and he gathers the, the goats anyway besides them and anyway it's a story and, and let's let's read it. it's in 42 matthew 25 verse 42 it's talking about how one day god is going to judge every single one of us he says this for i was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat i was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink i was a stranger and you did not invite me in i needed clothes and you did not clothe me i was sick and in prison and you did not look after me they also will answer Lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you he will reply truly I tell you whenever you did not do it for one of the least of these you did not do it for me when you didn't do it for the least of me you didn't do it for me when you could have served someone but you didn't do it you didn't do it for me when you saw someone in need, when you saw someone in a situation, regardless of whether you had an ulterior motive, regardless of whether they deserved it, when you didn't serve them, you didn't serve me. The flip side of this is when we serve others, like Jesus served others, we serve Jesus. When we serve others, like Jesus served others, we serve Jesus. If you go back a little bit earlier in that passage of Scripture, the people, God is saying, hey, when you did this, this, and that for these people, you did it for me. When you serve others like Jesus served others, you serve, we serve Jesus. We serve Jesus. When I serve someone like Jesus served, I'm actually serving Jesus. That's what it's all about. When I serve someone like Jesus served, no ulterior motive, not because I deserve it, because I saw a need. When I serve someone like Jesus did, I'm actually serving Jesus Christ. God sees it. This passage of Scripture said, hey, I saw it. I saw it when you didn't do it. I saw it when you did do it. God sees it when we serve the people around us. God sees our serving. He sees our heart. And the Scripture says one day, He'll acknowledge the servant heart we had towards others and tell us what you did for them, you were doing for me. Husbands, when you serve your wife, you know, doing it for Jesus. Children, when you serve your parents, you're doing it for Jesus. In the workplace, when you serve the manager, you're doing it for Jesus. In this church community, when we serve each other, we're doing it for Jesus. When we, when we think like that, it changes everything. 
changes everything for me. It changes everything. It just the, the attitude for me changes. Instead of it seeing it as instead of seeing it as that person or this task that I've got to do, I realize, wow, I'm doing this for Jesus. If Jesus, if we always talk about Jesus on the cross and man, that, that is the most amazing thing and we should always talk about Jesus on the cross but if Jesus would also wash someone's feet wash someone's feet he humble himself to wash man's feet then I too can humble myself to serve people around me and, to, and in doing that to serve God see I want to serve others with my life I want to serve Jesus with my life because I want to be just like Jesus I want to be Christ like let's pray today God we thank you